Good morning, church. All 10 of you. It's daylight savings. There's grace for that. Um, we are in the third Sunday in Lent. So we are going to start by standing, if you could. And we're going to do a call to worship together. So if you want to follow along with me, read the bold parts. <clears throat> so the call to worship. We gather together, the seekers, the dreamers, the shooting star wishers, in hopes of seeing God. We gather together, the curious, the hungry, the loving, the lonely, in hopes of finding peace. We gather together, those who are thirsty and those with water to spare, in hopes of finding peace. Oh, justice, sorry. So come to the well, come to the table, come let us worship God. Amen.
Good morning. I'm going to read the call to confession today. In today's service, we will hear the story of the Samaritan woman. It's a well-known story of a woman who in the heat of day meets Jesus at a well and he asks her for a drink. Every time I read this story, I cannot help myself I cannot help but ask myself, when was the last time I drew water for someone? When was the last time I drew water for myself? So with this same open curiosity, we come to the prayer of confession, trusting that even if we forget our bucket, God will still meet us at the well. Friends, with that grace in mind, let us pray together. Holy God, we have been on every side of this story. We have been the one who is thirsty and in need of compassion. We have been the one with the bucket in a deep well. So today we wonder, how often have we missed the opportunity to share water with our neighbors? How often have we forgotten that when we have a bucket in the power to bring change? How often have we simply decided that justice and compassion were not worth the work? Forgive our fragile hearts and remind us that it was you who sat at the well in Samaria in the heat of day. It was you. It is still you. With hope we pray. Amen. Family of faith, as hard as it is to imagine, we could lose the bucket. We could hoard the water for ourselves. We could pretend we do not see all who are thirsty and we would still belong to God. This is the good news of the gospel. God's grace is deeper than any well. We are seen, loved, and forgiven. May this realization change and inspire us. Amen. The prayer of illumination. God of conversation, we come to you today thirsty, thirsty for hope, thirsty for good news, thirsty for a glimpse of you. So today we pray, move in these words like a current. Give us the courage to wade into your story with open eyes and open hearts. Give us the courage to drink this moment in. We are listening and we are grateful. Amen. Good morning, church family. I'm Deb McCormick, and I'm going to lead um, testimony time this morning or God sightings time anytime this past week or recently that you've um, um, thought to yourself, this is just the Lord's hand, and um, you could clearly see him at work, and you want to share with us, that'd be great. Just raise your hand, and I'll bring the mic to you, or if you're on Zoom, um, just put your name in the chat and we will highlight you.
Anybody have anything to share this morning? Good morning. I'm Katrina, and um, I God really showed up. Hope I don't knock over the pew. A few weeks ago, um, I'm a social worker by trade, and little shout out to Reverend Sharon if she's here. I don't think she is. She was like my first internship supervisor, so I don't know if she's on Zoom, but I got a little shout for her. Anyway, so social worker by trade, um, and a few weeks ago, well, let me back up the bus a little bit. So um, I started a new job not quite a year ago, and I'm not working individually with clients. I'm working more community-based, and I've really been praying for the Lord to translate the work into his work and really seeing, God, please, even though I'm not eye-to-eye with maybe people in pain at the moment, that larger things are happening. So um, a few weeks ago, or during the warming center, Nate had reached out to me because I work for the VA, the Veterans Affairs, and um, he said, hey, we need some extra cots for the warming center. Do you think the National Guard or someone would be able to come in and help us out? And anybody who's familiar um, with government things, it can be a little sticky. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a wildly awesome idea. And um, I just prayed super hard. I was like, Lord, who in the world can I get a hookup with? I need I need somebody. So um, it just is really cool because the Lord totally planted somebody that I had met at an outreach event in the summer, like just randomly. And I was like, I'm just going to ask. Um, and this gentleman came through, absolutely no problems. He connected with Nate, he connected with the warming center, and it really was an amazing opportunity for the Lord to just, um, you know, when God just runs with something and you were like, oh my gosh, that was not even me. I was not even involved, but you were like involved way back then putting people together and things together in amazing places. And I kept telling this gentleman who hooked us up with the cats, I was like, you don't even know, oh my gosh. And he was like, it was no big deal, it's what we do. You know, he's a retired veteran and, you know, still serving in other ways. And anyway, um, I just wanted to thank God for um, the goodness and his provision because actually I've had to use, I've actually used that example even recently, like, okay, God, I need you to come in the same way, please, for this person over here. And he continues to show up and just the um, the way he provides and the way that he can use those examples to continue to encourage and inspire when you're like, how the heck are we going to get cuts? How are we, heck are we going to help somebody's car start that's not running or whatever the situation is that he's got a plan. He likes to show up. He loves to give surprises and he loves for us to keep our eyes open for that. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah, that's wonderful. All right, Harvey has something. Thank you. God is good. God is great. Amen? Amen. That's good. Um, most of you know that um, for the last several weeks, um, I was telling everybody that I'm going to need a knee replacement. Um, several weeks ago, I went to my primary doctor, and she looked at the x-ray, and she says, wow. I said, what? She said, there's no cartilage there, and you have bone on bone. So let me set you up with a surgeon that does a fantastic job about replacing knees. 
So last Friday, we went to Cottage Hospital, and they took some more x-rays. And the doctor came into the room, fantastic doctor. He said, hi, my name is Marvin. He didn't say doctor, whatever. He said, what, what's going on? I said, and I told him about my knee, and well, what rate between one and 10 does it hurt? I said, like a seven or eight whenever I stand up or walk. He said, well, let me take a look at the x-rays. Turns it on, and he said, hmm, cartridge looks really good. I said, well, what about bone on bone? He said, you don't have any bone on bone. It's beautiful. He said, we don't want to do an MRI, it's not necessary. He said, but I'm going to, I'll give you a shot. <laughs> I could talk to you for a half hour about me getting a shot when I gave platelets for 14 years, but that was, that's another joke. So he said, I'll give you a shot, and I can tell you, by the time you get to the parking lot, it's starting to feel really good, and by the time you go to church, you'll be perfect. And God, I'm perfect. And yeah, you know, so that's, put, write that down, uh, another miracle that God has performed. And uh, look, look at your life and those little things that you said, oh, gee, that's great. Think about God fit into those things, didn't he? It was a miracle. So miracles of miracles, amen. 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 Anybody have anything else they'd like to share this morning? Anybody on Zoom? We got one more. How y'all doing? Uh, my name is Dale Sellers. Everybody know me by Petey. I've been in and out of uh, Genesis for about 20 some years, humble, but off and on for about 20 years. And uh, I want to say today that uh, I was in an uh, incident where I had to have an operation. I was wondering why I was walking funny and all that, but uh came to my attention that I better go to the emergency room because this it kept carrying on day by day. So uh, I went in the emergency room and uh, they they didn't know why, they thought, everybody thought I was having a stroke, but this was the uh, time during the COVID. So everybody thought I had COVID and I ain't had none of that. And my temperature was way above normal. So it wasn't because of uh, the temperature, but uh, I finally ran into a doctor at Beaumont and he announced that uh, I had uh, a blocked nerve in my neck. So, so uh, I tried to get opinions from uh, other doctors, but they wasn't gonna do that. <laughs> I really wanted to hear something better because the one doctor told me uh, we're gonna have to, he said, it's gonna be serious, Mr. Sellers. Uh, I'm gonna have to go in through the front and all the way to the back. And uh, I was like, no, nah, I don't want that. What else? What else can I do? So uh, he's like, I'm telling you, this is what I ran into this before. And this is what you're going to have to face one day. 
So I went to about four other uh, hospitals and I was on the bus, let me remind you. <laughs> so I was trying my best to find somebody to tell me something different. And they, they just wouldn't go behind other doctors back for some reason, but so I ended up having the surgery uh, at St. John's in Pontiac. And um, it was like an eight hour surgery. And um, the Minister Bo McCartney, he was there from day one. He's an amazing guy. He uh, visited me every day, and this through the COVID when none, nobody else came to see me. But Bo always came through for me, and I really appreciate him for that. And uh, so when I had the surgery, going through the surgery, it was like eight hours, and I woke in two, and then I had all kind of braces on my neck and people looking at me and writing on cards, telling me uh, what you want me to do. You know, I guess they thought, I couldn't talk or see or something, I don't know. But I was pretty much out of it. And uh, when I did come to two, they had the oxygen in my mouth, but I really, that really was the problem. Why I couldn't talk, that's for one. I guess you couldn't talk with a hose down your mouth. So when they pulled the hose out, I regained my, con you know, my oxygen. So they seen that I no longer needed that, so. So make a long story short, I, uh, like day four, I was in my room and I, that's, that's really one of the days I woke up. And I, when I woke up, let me tell you, I couldn't move nothing, I was paralyzed. And bold my witness today, uh, to see that, man, it was real scary, man. I couldn't move nothing but my neck and uh, a couple of times, the nurses had to catch themselves. Said, "Miss Sullivan, your, your phone's ringing." I said, "What I supposed to do? I can't, I can't grab it and answer it." So uh, that that was really a shocker too. It was, she not only she was reminding herself, but she was reminding me too that uh, yeah, I was paralyzed, and uh, I don't remember no doctor saying that uh, I can wake up being paralyzed. But uh, anyway, I was. And, and through the grace of God, I just prayed instead of just being mad because I was real upset because I didn't have all the answers I wanted. But uh, I just kept praying and praying every day and night. I said, please, God, let me make it through this. Give me the strength to move again. I will never be bad again or nothing. <laughs> so, but... Uh, because that was a real experience, a bad experience for me because, uh, you know, imagine some nurse aide coming in the room about 18 years old, talking about she gonna change me and all that. But she comforted me. She was like, Mrs. Sellers, I done done way many patients you, you know of. So, I, you know, I got comfortable in letting them change me and stuff. But each day I was praying. I was praying all day. And one day um, I woke up and my doctor said, what's wrong? And uh, I remember waking up kicking and uh, my nerves sent a signal through my leg and I was kicking and I thought I was dreaming, but the dream was true. And because uh, uh, when I tried to kick again, I did. So that was a good dream. 
And uh, the next day, the days went on and I prayed and prayed. To make a long story short, uh, I started moving all my, my, my bones, my toes, my arms, my legs. And then I, I said, I can't wait to answer that phone. And I answered the phone. So it brought tears to me for about three days. I couldn't stop, but uh, it's amazing how God can answer you when you least expect it. That was my story. Yeah. On Zoom? Okay. And we'll highlight the person on Zoom. Can you hear me? Okay. So thank you. My uh, God sighting is actually not me, but it is a good friend of mine. Her son is a senior at um, Southfield Christian High School and for his graduation has to do an internship um, with someone in the field that he wants to study. So he's going to a Christian college in the fall called Liberty College in Virginia to study uh, aeronautics something in aviation. He's always wanted to be a pilot. Um, and through his, you know, coming up in school and different programs, he's earned flying hours and all this. So he's been trying his hardest to try to find a pilot just to kind of internship with 40 hours. Um, they had meetings set up that fell through. Um, people just flat out saying, no, we can't do it. Doesn't necessarily mean he needed to be in a plane with someone, but he needed to be able to kind of shadow someone who worked as a pilot. So last Wednesday, they were supposed to meet with someone. Last minute, it fell through. Um, they ended up at their church. He heard a word that he probably wouldn't heard had they not been there. And Thursday, his mom, who's my friend, she reached out to someone who in the past was like, well, I might know someone. So she reached out to her and was like, look, whoever this person is or somebody else, can you please just let them know we're trying to get a hold of them? That person called her within like 30 minutes and listened to what the, the situation was and was like, so are you guys available tomorrow? Which was on Friday. And she was like, yes, why? Um, there was a thing on channel four, if you watch the news about the Detroit Tuskegee Airmen National Museum, they actually receive a $500,000 grant for youth programming. Um, and this man was the person who's the director of that program. So they showed, he asked, could they show up? They showed up on Friday. Her son was interviewed as like the spotlight person. And he made every connection he needs to make to not only complete what he needs to complete for his high school requirements, but also as he goes into college, whether it's at Liberty or someplace else, he's met, um, Tuskegee Airmen, the director of the program. Um, there's a pilot who works out of somewhere who is going to do the internship for him. And by the end of the summer, he'll have all of his flight hours that he actually will need for the program he has for he needs for college for free. So she called me excited, and, you know, praising God and what happened. So I just wanted to share that because sometimes when a door is closed or when things don't work out the way they're supposed to, they're actually working in our favor and we just have to trust that process and go with it. And this was definitely a, 
a door closed with the meeting they were supposed to have on Wednesday opened up so many opportunities moving forward. Thank you. That's wonderful. All right, anyone else? Thanks, Deb. Good morning, church. My name is Liv. Uh, welcome to Genesis. I love how many of you got up even with the time change, and if there's still some that are floating through, we'll just have a slight delay for our West Coast viewers. But um, I really enjoyed that testimony time. I hope you did as well, hearing all of those sort of miracles, right, big or small. Um, they can be very inspiring and I think give us a lot of, you know, inspiration and hope and faith. But um, for those of you who are in the waiting for miracles, then um, we want to walk alongside you as well. So just please take a moment to let us know you're here. Fill out either the digital connection card that you can find on our homepage, or there are some physical green cards in the pews that you can submit um, your contact information or prayer requests uh, to either public or private. And you can place that green card in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary. And that's where you can also place your offering if you have physically brought it with you. But thank you for those who continue to give online and through text. If you are new to Genesis and would like to join our sort of text blasts that uh, come out either during the week or on Sunday mornings, text new to Genesis, all one word, to 94,000. Another opportunity uh, that you have to sort of connect with community is to join us in this Lenten season and follow the Genesis Lenten calendar. And you can subscribe through our e-blast uh, on the website or follow the link in the text today if you're on that text list. And so use these daily devotional questions and prayers to expand and deepen your spiritual journey. Uh, there's also opportunity for us to join in small groups. Those are underway, but you don't have to have joined from the beginning. You can participate at any time now until Easter. So there are signups in the lobby if you haven't connected with a group and still would like to do so, or you can put it in the text that you'd like to be connected to someone and we'll reach back out to you. Uh, for those who are new, we are having a Genesis meet and greet next Sunday, March 18th, from 4 to 6 p.m. at Roy and Deb Yankees. Food is provided and children are welcome. So this is a chance to learn more about the community. Again, you can put that in the text to RSVP uh, 94,000 and let us know that you would like to attend and meet some others who are newer to our church community. We are celebrating baptism, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to back up <laughs> on April 2nd before Easter, Sunday, April 2nd, we are going to be eating together once again, but this meal will be a little more special. It's going to be a meal before a memorial service for Kyle Movius, who is Ryan and Bethany Movius's brother. Um, we as a church are going to be hosting their family and friends here uh, at Genesis. So if your last name is A through M, please bring a main dish and N through Z. Um, bring a side dish. So again, we'll come alongside that family and I hope you will be here and can participate. And on Sunday, April 9th, which is Easter, we are going to be celebrating baptisms. So please consider if you would like to be um, baptized this Easter, 
you know, if you've been thinking about it, if you have questions, if you have any hesitation or concerns, reach out um, to Bo if you'd like more information. Again, um, if you've, this is something you've been thinking about a while and um, would like to share that with the rest of us, we would, we would love for that to happen. So at this time, we're going to release for some connections, say hello to somebody by you that you don't know, and we'll re release our middle school um, group as well. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Nice chatting. Yes. Oh, there we go. So glad you're here. So glad you're connecting. We're going to, this is the second Sunday of the month, March the 12th, Daylight Savings, and it's a discussion Sunday, meaning that I'm going to try to talk briefly and then really send the conversation back to you all with little pockets, and so really encourage you to stick around. So the hope is at 11 a.m. we'll hit that conversation, we'll stay in here, that conversation will last 20 minutes. But it's a chance for all of us to bring our own thoughts, our own experience, our own stories, our own imagination to the story and to learn from each other, to learn from the different perspectives. And that's a gift. We believe that we grow because of each other. That's how growth happens. We grow because of God and one another. And so we look forward to these, these conversations that we have. So that's what the Sunday is. The, we're, we're really honing in on a story from John 4. And so I want to jump right into this conversation, into the text today that you guys are going to be talking through, um, and, and just highlight a few things from within this story in the life of Jesus 
that I think were just natural conversations where, where I go. And uh, there might be different places that really capture your imagination. And if so, take a hold of those, ponder them. But here is a reading from John. This is John chapter 4, verses 5 to 42. This is a really interesting, cool story. Many of you familiar with the stories in the life of Jesus is called the, the woman at the well or Samaritan woman at the well. It's the longest theological conversation that Jesus has with anyone in the scriptures. And he has it with this woman at a well. I think it was kind of cool, especially reading this at International Women's Week. This is the first evangelist, woman evangelist, who then goes, as we'll read in the story. It's a profound, profound story. And here in John 4, John is the only one who tells it, or it's only captured within this gospel. And so let's hear this reading. You can follow along with me overhead. You can pull out your phone. But here is the story from John 5. Eventually, he, this Jesus, came to the Samaritan village of Shekar near the field of Jacob, the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. These are some old ancient stories talking about the patriarchs. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to, do, to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift of God, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you'd ask me, and I would give you living water. Sir, you, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well's very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim that it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, but we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and indeed is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, 
what do you want with her and why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone, Jesus asked, they asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know indeed that he is indeed the savior of the world. Okay, it's a long text, but I want to illuminate just a couple of things. Again, you can be curious about so much. The scriptures are, the rabbis would say, it's a 70-sided jewel, meaning you must continue to turn it. And as you turn it, you will see different facets of the revelation of God, the revelation of people, or learning about ourselves. There's multitude to learn from this. But there was a couple things that grabbed my attention. As I said, this is the longest theological conversation that somebody has with somebody in the scriptures accounted for. That is so cool. And it's happening between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. And again, John writes in a way that gives us a few details to understand that culturally this was something that wasn't, that didn't happen, that everyone questioned, why are you talking to her? Because of the, the intermixing, this didn't happen. Men and women and men and people who were Samaritans. You can read the division between these two groups, but there was some discrepancy. And these kinds of division, as you know, in our day, they go deep and long and they go hard. And when people divide over certain details of their faith, it creates certain divisions that, are, that fracture and eliminate relationship. And so this group of people did have a Jewish origin. They, they were part of, they would say that came, coming from Abraham, coming from the children of Jacob. But there was a time when certain people went off into exile, and you can read about that. But the discrepancy comes that the Samaritans believe, nope, it's not in Jerusalem where the temple is. It's here on this mountain. And they set up their worship there. And the Jewish people were like, no, you're heretics. You're not obeying God, and you're cut off. And so there was hostility between these people groups. And so Jesus is there, and he's talking, and he's engaging. But what's so interesting about this, he offers, he's using this language of living water. And he said this, well, I would give you living water. Now, it, living water in the context of the, the first century Eastern context was a stream. 
So living water was, a, was something that flowed. It was something that moved. It wasn't stagnant. There was something that fed it, and there was something that it moved somewhere else. That was a living water. Uh, when there's a reference to baptism in Judaism, that's where the idea has come from. It's a Jewish concept. It's called a mikvah. Those are the baptismal pools, and people would be immersed in these mikvahs. But for it to be a mikvah, it had to be living water. So they would take streams, they would divert the water, and it would flow into these baptismals where they would walk, they would self-immerse into these baptismals. And that was the sign of either converting into Judaism or just a ritual ceremony of forgiveness that you're coming in there in order to be cleansed, a cleansing. Different groups did it differently. Some did it all the time, and you can go into the areas of a group called the Aseans. If you go to where the Dead Sea Scrolls are um, in the wilderness, and you can see these mikvahs with these steps that were diverted, and these baptismals are. But I bring this up because this idea of baptism is so cool, and we have a baptism service coming up. We're going to be baptizing on Easter. I love this imagery of living water. The scriptures paint this history of baptism for us with a number of symbols and images that are so profound. One of the symbols and images for baptism that's used and good is the symbol of being a part of God's family. It's this beautiful mark of being included. It's such a powerful mark that many traditions do it right after you're born. It says, oh yeah, you're included in the family. You're born in the same way that the ancient Israel people, to be part of the Jewish, is that you were born and that you were circumcised eight days later. So baptism became very close to what circumcision was for so many people. They're like, no, you don't, you're, you're, just, you're part. This is your family. And so many, I don't know if many of you, so Catholic churches and some other Protestant churches, some mainline denominations baptize when you're as infants. Anybody here experience that? Yeah, a number of us probably did. I, did. I did as well. But it's saying, oh, you're a part of the family, included in God's family. This is God's doing. And even adults and young people who are baptized into that, that's one of the, images, that's one of the symbols. You're in the family by what God has done. One of the other beautiful symbols of baptism is the symbol of being cleansed and connected to God. This idea of the cleansing work of God is saying that our sins are forgiven. And we are confident in the God who forgives sins. This is a way of almost just even testifying to that. We're clean, clean because of Jesus. Another beautiful symbol that's a part of this living water picture is this idea that we're, we're immersed into the death of Jesus for many, they use that, that analogy for being, that's what brings the forgiveness of sin, so that we're buried with Jesus. So when you go into those waters and you're submersed, it's like a grave. It's a symbolism of being completely like you were under the ground. And so you're entering the death of Jesus. And then when you come out of the waters, it's the resurrection. And so in those two gestures, you're saying, oh, I believe in the death of Jesus. 
and in the resurrection of Jesus. And my life now is lived with God and in God. And so it's not a stagnant life. It's not like, oh, I've arrived at something or, or I've completed all the works and now I'm, I'm good. It's like, oh no, this stream that filled your baptism with the life of God and that fills you is going somewhere and you're being moved by the spirit of God into life. Baptism is a moment, and if you were like me, it's something that you experience, and then you begin to illuminate upon and say, oh, I understand it more now. I was baptized as an infant within the Catholic Church, and I love that symbolism. I understand more about that now than I, than I ever have. I was also baptized at probably 10. My, my mom remarried, and he was a, a, his family were Baptists. Right, any any um, good Baptists in here? I, I know a few. I know a few. Right? And, and they love, right? They love the beautiful picture of baptism and immersion of that. And those stories were told. I was in a brethren church. And those stories were told. And, and my family was experiencing that. And I was hearing about it. And I'm like, oh, gosh, looks like that's something I should do. I, I believe these things about Jesus. And so I was baptized at 10. But then at 21, I'm like, Oh, no, I don't, I, I, I was like, I don't know if I've been baptized. I'd already been baptized twice. Um, I don't know if those count, but, but there was something, right? There was something being awakened in me. And I was like, oh, I, I think I get this. See, baptism is not something that we, we receive because we get it, but it's something you experience, and then you continue to learn and journey and understand it as it goes. I can begin to talk about it more, but I was baptized at 21, and I think at 21, when I did it, it, it was that, that sense of understanding, oh, I'm, I'm experiencing this new life of Jesus, wow. and I had a longing for that. I wanted it. I had experienced a renewal at 20, and, I was like, and it was so much of a renewal, I felt like I knew nothing before that, which wasn't true because God was working all along pursuing. So those are the stories of the baptism. So if, if you're like me, we, we, we continue, we offer baptism. We don't shame anybody if you're going to need to do it eight times. I, I haven't felt like I needed to do it again, but I guess if I went to Israel, I might feel like I needed to do it if in the Jordan, maybe. Right? Why not? Um, but we give you freedom in your journey. And one of the conversations is going to be about baptism. So maybe uh, as you get there, you'll be, you'll be talking about that. But it's the picture of this living water. One other thought of this conversation is that Jesus offers this woman living water. And he says, if you would drink of this, you'll thirst no more. This will be a living water that will quench your thirst. And the woman says, whoa, sir, give it to me. Give me that water. So, and, and maybe she makes a joke or not when she says, I don't have to come here and drink of this anymore. And I think she knew that he, he, he was using an analogy. Give me this water that would quench my thirst. And I believe she says it earnestly. Give me this water. And then Jesus says this, go and get your husband. And she says, oh, I don't have a husband. And then we go into this story where Jesus says, oh, yeah, you tell the truth. You, you've had five, and the one you're with is not your husband. And then she says, I know you're a prophet. What has been revealed to us here in this story? 
This is what's so interesting. When we begin to look at the story and we ask, when Jesus offers her living water, what is that? What is that water that is being offered to her that if she would drink it would quench her thirst? What is it that we're being told about her and about Jesus in the story? Now, if you're like me, you've heard the story, and when Jesus calls us out, you've been married five times, usually what we induce from that is like, uh-oh, this is a no-good lady. Right? Anybody, anybody know any of those? Don't be, don't say it. Right? That's what you think. We, or it, and it's kind of like, okay, well, there's a couple things. That doesn't have to be how you read this story. Because there's some other ways to interpret this, but we, we know a few things by Jesus saying that, that tells of her circumstances. There's a number of reasons that she could have had five husbands. One, they were widowed. Two, they divorced her. Three, she was abandoned. But that she had five is very interesting. Many have kind of said maybe she was a prostitute. If she was a prostitute, she would not have had five husbands. There's the potential that she has experienced a lot of hardship. And when you're abandoned and not living with one as your husband, that could be because she was destitute and she had no children, she had no heirs, and no one taking her in. Um, a woman by the name of Gail Wallace said, there's a way to look at this story without making this woman terrible. Could she have been a sinner? Well, we're all sinners. Could she have been one who uh, had issues there? Potentially. But Jesus, in the end, doesn't say, hey, get it together, stop sinning, uh, get married to you. He references none of that. And yet, if she was of ill repute, when she went back into the city and shared with them what this man said, why did everyone listen to her and come? So because of that, the question of this is not so much what it reveals about her, but it does reveal something about her and her vulnerability. She is vulnerable. She is in a relationship with somebody who is not her husband. She's in a context and culture where women didn't have as much power and authority and privilege. She is vulnerable. Could she have been the one who made the mistakes in there? Absolutely. And could she be the one who, who, who the systems and the structures of her day had failed her? Yes. But yet, what this point illustrates for us and for her, it was not so much about her, but it was about Jesus. What it was illustrating is that Jesus was the prophet. And immediately, when he disclosed this to her, she was like, you're a prophet. You're a prophet. And he revealed this to her for her good. This is a revelation about Jesus, not about all of her business to shame her. But it's a revelation about Jesus. Now, once that revelation happens, she began moves to a theological conversation about where to worship. But this was the one, this was the conversation that was already making her vulnerable too because she was a Samaritan. And any Jew would say, you're out. You're not God's people. You're not included. You're on the outside. You're not going to receive the inheritance. You're not one of us. Could she have been to deflecting? Maybe, but this was an incredibly important conversation. One where she was saying, well, they've kind of said, are we in the right or are we in the wrong? And she wants to know. So the big question for this, if you kind of think about her, and we don't know much. We know she's a Samaritan. We know she's had five husbands. We know the one she's with is not her husband. What do you think she's thirsty for? 
What do you think that is? I mean, we can speculate. And that's what we get the freedom to do. What was she thirsting for? What language would you put to it? Because Jesus isn't offering her a drink that will fill the thirst. What is that that he's offering? This is where you get to play with it. And then, I, really, I think this question is being asked, so then we then can place ourselves in this story with Jesus coming to us. And then we ask the, the question to us in our context and saying, what are you thirsting for? What is that deep thirst that you have that, you're, that, Jesus, that you've longed to fill, maybe even gone to multiple places to fill it, but no, none of those things satisfy. But yet, you heard an invitation of Jesus to give you a drink that satisfies. What is that? That's a question that we're going to be sitting with when we, we head into our groups. For me, as I thought about it, uh, I think when I, I remember hearing the story, I remember hearing about Jesus, encountering Jesus, Maybe it was to be included. I heard this invitation um, that I could be God's, that take hold of me. I was, I was 15 when I remember really hearing about Jesus. And it was this invitation that God wanted my life. Me, come, let me have you. I'll care for you, provide for you, save you, defend you, guide you. But it was the inclusion to be counted as a child of God, included in the true me. And it was a thirst I had. And it has been a deep well. Now, when it says it quenches that thirst, I continually have to go back to Jesus for Jesus to whisper to me again, saying, you're mine. Because I have some other places I want to go I have some people-pleasing places I want to go. I want to impress people. I want to, I want to succeed. I want to, I, want to fit, I want to drink from some wells that says, oh, this is going to give me what I thirst for. But those things never do it. Success, pleasing people, it just doesn't fill. It, 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 it's a trap. And so I must continue to come back to the Father and sit again and again and be reminded of the initial invitation. And it's changed a bit over those years. But it's been consistent. And it's been this message from God, the same message that the Father spoke over Jesus, I continue to hear given to me, and I believe it's for all of us, saying that God whispers and says, you are my child, and I delight in you. And I drink that cup daily. I need to. So what are you thirsty for? What's so cool of the story is that when Jesus offers this drink to her, reveals that Jesus is the Messiah, she leaves her water glass there and runs to the city to tell everybody. This is where the story goes. She leaves what she initially came for, for water, leaves that there with Jesus, runs and tells everybody, Look what the one has told me. 
Tell me everything about me. Could this be the Messiah? And they all come and they receive it. They receive this. She went there and it must have sounded like good news. I assume the good news was the Messiah has come to the edge of our city and is sitting there among us. The Messiah, the anointed one, the one that was promised has come to our Samaritan city. And he's here. And he's offering living water. And everyone that's in the city runs there and beg him, stay for two days, stay. And Jesus says, yes, and shares this living water with them. I love this story that she was this first evangelist and she shares her encounter with Jesus. So one of the questions that we're going to hit is kind of like what you have experienced. What, what encounter have you experienced with, with Jesus? What was that overflow like of you meet Jesus and not out of duty or responsibility, but that story is like, oh, this was my encounter with Jesus. This is what it looks like. Here's, here's how Jesus met me. And it's called good news. It should sound like good news. And so we want to have you ponder about that. Where this woman said, he told me everything about me. And these are people who probably knew everything about her. He's like, oh, he told me everything. He's the Messiah bringing salvation to the world. When I think about the good news, I was, we, Jenny Regal and myself were processing these questions. And I was like, what, what, what is that story for you, that encounter with Jesus? And she said that for her, it was this story of control, and she was just longing to control the uncontrollable of this world. She was longing to some control because there's so much uncertainty in life. There's so much struggle. It's like, how can I have control? How can we drink from something that will quench this desire to control things? And yet, it was this invitation of Jesus that meets her in this, saying, you don't have to hold on to life in this way. I have control of things. It was good news of God who says, I have control. I've got you and yours. And that's her good news to share. For me, it's of God's inclusion and delight just in my being. It's welcoming. And this story of this woman and these people is just like ours, including us all, offering us living water that is found in Jesus. So now we're going to we're going to take this story. We're going to step into the conversations. You're going to read it. The hope is 20 minutes to engage. We have some facilitators. They're just going to lead you through the questions. These are meant to intrigue you. They're meant to stir you. They're meant for us to share our own experiences. So our hope is that we just kind of gather around together. We'll sit in those after 20 minutes. They'll just release you out of here together. And so our facilitators, if you would raise your hand, we'll have people kind of come around you. So we have Sandra up here in the front, left over there. We have Greg sitting right there in front of the soundboard. We have Liv, who is right here. And Liv, are you gonna stay in that section? 
Liz is probably going to pop over here in this section. We have Jill standing there with her hand right there in the coat. And there in the back we have Maddie with her hand up. And I'm going to take a, I'll take a group um, as well. And I'll go back in there right there behind the um, tripod. Sound good? So kind of come around that. If we, if we got too many, I might recruit somebody else with some questions. But uh, we've got some handouts for everybody. Come around a conversation with some people, and we'll engage this story together. If you are on Zoom and want to stay, I'm facilitating a group session here.